Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll be in 1 Timothy 4 this morning. If you're visiting Christ Church today, we're glad you're with us. My name's Mark. I get to be one of the ministers. And we're in the third week of a series of messages called Experiencing Life with Jesus. And it's very significant uh, why we're phrasing it in particularly this way. And then, so the series so far we've talked about is that the glory of God is a gift to us. It's not just something that we have available to us that makes him look good. Actually, the glory of God is that thing that seals us in him and allows us to know who he is, why we're to worship him and to stay connected with him. And so in the very first week, we talked about the glory of God as an invitation to know him. And then last week, Elijah did a really good job of talking about the hope of heaven and the fact that Jesus is the gateway by which the glory of God is not only revealed to us, but we can access it. So if you take those two pieces together, we're after the glory of God to understand him. And Jesus made the glory of God available to us. Today, uh, I want to take us in the next step, uh, this one step forward, because it's important to know today that we're not asking you to live your life for God. We're actually inviting you to live your life with God. Instead of just being a good person who does good things so you're known as good, there's more to life than that. It's actually connecting with the glory of God in such a way that we radiate and reflect that glory in our own lives and we learn what it means to truly be alive. And that only comes when we're walking with Jesus. This is why this series is called Experiencing Life with Him. So if there's one sentence I would hope anybody could complete that attends Christ Church at all, it would be to ask and answer this question this way, why does Christ Church exist Why do we gather? Why do we ask you to use your time, treasure, and talents like Alyssa just talked about? Why would we ask you to invest in these things? Because we believe that the church exists for more than just having services, holding events, drawing crowds. We want the church to exist so that all of us are experiencing our completeness in him, that we're experiencing completeness in Jesus, this fulfillment, this life. Uh, Paul calls it maturity, coming to completeness and who he is. Now it's gonna sound like I may be shooting to open this morning, like shooting darts. I wanna lay a foundation. And if there's one of the mythologies in the world today that I would like to, to bust, I would like to break it apart and dismantle it completely, it's this. The church can go with you, but the church cannot go for you. The church can help you discover who Jesus is and grow in him, but the church can't do that for you. You cannot abdicate your personal growth and accomplishments and relationship with Jesus to pastors or to churches. Now, I know nobody in this room is trying to do that. It's those other people, right? But it's really easy in a world where we hire everyone to do things for us to believe that the church is one of those organizations that will do this for me. And there's even religious organizations that suggest in the way they do church that we'll do it for you, but we're not one of those. Because we believe that the church can go with you, but it can't go for you. And so we're inviting each and every person to consider what it means to move beyond living for Jesus and continue to live with him. You see, one of the things that we talk about here is that there are phases to the growth of a believer. And almost everybody goes through this. Now, you may not go through it in a direct chronological order, but I think most probably do. The four phases of growing as a disciple, the way we'll articulate it is the first one is uh, we're exploring Christ. I might refer to this as you're kicking the tires. And some of you may be here today doing this and we're glad you're here. 
you've heard about this Jesus. You have friends who are very committed to him and you're trying to figure out who is he? And is this real? And does this matter? And if it matters, why? And so we're glad you're joining us in this journey as you're exploring who he is. The second phase in the growth of a disciple are those that are growing in Christ. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. Now you're trying to figure out this lordship thing. How am I supposed to live my life? What does it mean to commit myself to him and to to pursue not only after him, but to walk with him toward this completeness that he offers me? The third phase are those that are close to Christ. And they have developed some skills in discipleship, some experiences. They, they do things like Bible studies and they're involved in small groups and they're growing and understanding him more. And the more you journey with him, it's like any friendship you have. The more you journey with Jesus, the more you'll understand why he's doing what he's doing, who he is, and that you can trust him. And then the last phase are those that are Christ-centered. It is the relationship that guides every decision they make. They're not perfect people, but they are focused on the lordship of Jesus in their lives and they're enjoying a relationship with him. It's no longer work. It's actually just joy and pleasure and peace. Wherever you are in these four phases, we want you to understand that the next step, there's every single one of us, there's a next step. There's something else that we participate in. Uh, I'll change it a little bit here. If you walked into the, let's say you were the first one up in your place this morning and you walked in the bathroom after having a good night's sleep and you turned on that light switch, you know, right, that that switch did not create electricity. That switch only accessed the source of electricity. When you turned on your, you walked into your shower or your tub and you turned on the faucet, that did not create water. That faucet just connected you to the source and brought the source to you. When we talk about taking the next step in our discipleship, you're simply flipping the switch that connects you to the source that God has provided for you. The faucet, the switch, the, all of these things are very, very important if you wanna stay connected. And what we're gonna talk about today is what are the things God's given you to connect yourself to him, to grow and to understand who he is? How do you know, follow and grow with him as you walk with him every day? So I'm gonna focus on what I think is the most important, the most instrumental thing that God has given us to connect ourselves to him that we may take the next step wherever we are in the process. But here's what it's gonna require for you to flip that switch. The first point I make today is you have to train yourself for godliness. It is not accidental. People do not become godly. They do not become holy. They do not walk with Jesus accidentally. It's a choice we all make. If you look at 1 Timothy 4 with me, uh, Paul explains it to a young preacher very clearly. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, Paul says that there are good teachings here and there are truths of the faith. So there's things that we must pursue. There's things we need to know. There's things we need to obey and there's experiences we need to participate in. If I can rephrase it completely, I'll just simply tell you this. It's the point of this morning. You are never, ever going to walk with Jesus if you don't intend to walk with Jesus. I'm not saying that you want to walk with Jesus because I doubt anybody who would come to church would go, yeah, I don't think I need to know him anymore. 
But to have what you desire will take some effort. Now, don't get me wrong. You are saved by grace, provided by Jesus, and you and I had nothing to do with receiving that. He gave it to us, he offered it to us, and we accepted his gift. That's all that took. But to grow in godliness, to grow in grace, to grow in obedience requires effort. Simply put, if you wanna go up and see a vast landscape, you probably have to walk uphill. If you wanna get beyond the cityscape and all the buildings around you, you have to walk to an elevation to oversee the vista, to understand it. And I know very few people who have climbed up to see a great sight who regretted the walk. But if you stay where you are, you're gonna miss out on a lot of things to see because sometimes it takes effort. Theodore Roosevelt uh, once said this and I've never forgotten his quote. He said, history remembers no one except those who paid a great price to be remembered. To have what we want is gonna require effort. This is why it says we need to train ourselves for godliness. That word train in the original language means to exercise. You're gonna have to say no to something to say yes to the greater thing. That to ready ourselves for this relationship with Jesus, we have to, having received that relationship, we have to make a connection to the source. And there are some things that he's given us to be able to do that. In John 17, verse three, Jesus prayed this prayer over people like us. And this prayer still resounds in his heart for us. That they, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. This is it. How do we connect to that source of Jesus as the source to reveal God to us that we may grow and that we may go? But before I tell you what that thing is that God has given you, which I think is probably the most important and instrumental thing that God has given us for us to grow closer to him and to walk with his son each and every day, I need you to know this. We're not teaching technique. I'm not saying that I want this church to find its completeness in Jesus by learning the proper technique and doing this like experts. I don't want you to experience I don't want you to become experts at drawing close to Jesus. I would much prefer that we become experts at experiencing closeness with Jesus. Do you see the difference? You can do all the right things for the wrong reasons and not get the best results. It's actually experiencing. This is the joy that we get is to have a relationship with the God of the universe who created it all. In Jeremiah chapter nine, the prophet says, let the man boast. And I love that he has several things to boast in, but he says, let the man boast who understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness on the earth. So let the person boast to say, hey, what's your greatest accomplishment in life? I knew Jesus. I didn't know about him. I experienced Jesus. I experienced what it was to have a relationship with him that was full of love and his mercy and compassion. So I baited you long enough, haven't I? Do you wanna know what that instrumental step is? Listen to his voice. Hear him. Train yourself, exercise yourself to hear his voice because, and I know for some, this doesn't seem like a reality. He is speaking all of the time. He is speaking, and sometimes what you're hearing him speak is the resounding truth he spoke centuries ago. And sometimes it's moments that he's speaking to you individually in the moment. 
listen to his voice. Let that linger that God is speaking. One of my fond memories of being a little guy is my grandfather. And I would go to my grandma and grandpa's house. I talk about them quite often, but I remember I'd be, my grandpa would be sitting in his chair and he'd either just smoked his pipe or was cleaning his pipe and he'd be sitting in his chair and he'd look at me and he'd do this. He'd motion with his finger to come over to him. And it wasn't all my brothers. It wasn't my mom and dad. It was me. And I would go over to my grandpa and he would give me things to do or he'd want to tell me a funny story he thought of or, or whatever and give me wisdom. But often he would call me over and he'd go, hey, go over to that candy jar and pick me something out. And I'd go in the candy jar and I'd go to lift it up. You've heard me tell this. And my mom would be like, Mark, you're going to ruin your supper. And my grandpa would look at her, his daughter and go, woman, <laughs> I love that guy. And I'd open the candy jar and I'd fish out a piece of candy and I'd walk over and give it to my grandpa. And he would look in and he'd go, I didn't want that one. You eat it. Uh-huh. He was a good man. And that would happen five or six times if I played it well. I knew the ones he didn't like, but he would hand it to me, you eat it. And my grandpa loved me. And whenever he called me, I was eager to go. Even if it was just to sit on his lap or to help him clean his pipe. Or he, I loved to reload his pipe. And, and all of the, I wanted to be with him. And when he called me, I didn't go, oh, what? You know? I want you to know that the God of the universe is speaking to you and he's inviting you, come, come with me, come be with me. And generations for the longest time had such a misappropriation of their God that they never thought his invitation was good news. They thought it was only correction and discipline and hollering. But we know different, don't we? We know that our God is saying, no, I have words of encouragement, words of life, words of love for you. Listen to my voice because what I'm telling you will bring you life. Second Peter, chapter one, Peter writes, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need for life and godliness comes from him and he is offering it to us. This is what he's speaking. He's speaking life and hope because God is revealing himself to us. This is his joy in Amos chapter four, the Old Testament prophet tells us something very important. He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. Do you hear that? The God who created all of this is revealing his thoughts to us. He does it in creation. He speaks a still small voice to us. He does it through the church community. There's so many ways that God speaks, but never ever look down on the fact he is speaking and he continues to speak. I know this is weird, but even in the silence, he has spoken. So maybe he's not speaking a new word to you because his old word is what you still need. His old revelation is, now, I don't want to leak sentimentality all over the stage and make this all warm and fuzzy. The truth of the matter is the God of the universe is currently speaking and the Holy Spirit is the one who connects us to his voice. And if we listen, oh, but listening is hard, isn't it? Because we have to silence the static. We have to silence the disturbances. We have to silence our own souls to listen. This is what it means to train for godliness. To place yourself in a posture that you can hear what God is encouraging you with. In Hebrews chapter one, it's written, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. I love this. God has always been speaking. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So not only is God speaking to us, he is speaking to us through Jesus. Jesus' disciples said to him, they were confused. Like he was talking about God and he was doing these powerful things. And they're like, you're connected to God. They knew Jesus was connected to God. So they said to him, would you show us God? And Jesus is like, if I can paraphrase, I have been. I'm him. I am God here on earth. And he's expressing to them, if you've seen me, you've seen him. And they were like, what? That God would come to earth and walk among us, that he might reveal himself to us? Absolutely. It is what we celebrate at Christmas. That God did not sit in heaven and go, hey, they blew this, let them fix it. He walked among us that we might know him and by knowing him, we might follow him and by following him, we might be with him. He didn't give us work to do while he was gone. He gave us his spirit to walk with us that we might know him. And not only does God reveal himself to us and he does that through Jesus, but also celebrate this with me today. He does it through salvation. God speaks. If the world wants to know who God is, talk about the God who saves. Tell them about what God has done in your life. You see, you know your story. Your testimony is to testify to the grace of God. Now, some of us are like, well, I don't want to talk about my past. No, actually your past, it gives God glory. Your past failures and mistakes prove that God will save anyone who will humble themselves and receive it. And so many think, well, you got to have kind of an insider's card to fit into this room. You do not. There is not a bigger group of failures in the world meeting in one spot right now than maybe in this room. And yet, what is the difference? God, it's not our success or expertise. If I just offended you in that, I'd love to share with you the gospel. God doesn't need us. He wanted us. We offer him nothing of value. There's no fair trade in this. He takes all the garbage. We get all the grace. Praise God. And that's your story. And your story needs told because God will even speak through our abject failure and show that if that guy can be saved, who wouldn't he love? You see, God is doing something. And look at Philippians 2 with me just for a moment. Paul writes, to which we hold fast in the midst of a crooked and perverse society. Now, this could be a hobby horse. I could spend 15 minutes talking about what I hate about culture. Ah, you didn't come for that. And I want to talk about it. I'll tell you this, though. This should cause our hearts to break for those people who have not received what we've received in Jesus because they don't know him. The reason most people, I believe, have nothing to do with God is because they've misunderstood him, they fear him, they're angry at him, and they haven't understood through Jesus what he revealed to us. That salvation is God's voice. And of course, you know where I'm going with this. God not only is talking to us through Jesus and through salvation itself, but he is talking to us through the scriptures. Clearly through the scriptures. There's not an area of your life that the scripture doesn't address, but don't turn the Bible into a how do I book. A lot of people say, well, I'm trying to get an answer to this problem. Maybe the problem is we just don't know the heart of God well enough yet. Because the Bible's not an instruction book on how to live every moment of every day of your life. It's who you live with and what he is capable of doing in you. Then the Bible will answer your heart. 
I often use an expression here, not to quote myself, but to explain it. I'll say, you need to preach the gospel to yourself. And recently, I think it was in the last three or four months, uh, one of the wonderful ladies here in our church wrote me an email and she goes, I don't like to preach the gospel to myself because uh, I end up feeling worse. And I'm saying, well, you're preaching the wrong gospel then. Let me tell you the gospel you should preach to yourself. You are loved, you are the daughter of the king and he knew you'd made a mess of your world and instead of punishing you by having you live in it, he wants to rescue you from it, take you out of it so that you can testify to everyone around you that God loves us all. That's the gospel we preach to our own hearts every day. I am unworthy, but he is worthy. I will live my life for his worthiness. That's what it means to reflect the glory of God. Psalm 119, you actually saw it on the screen this morning when we did our time in the word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Let the word speak because it is God directing, it is God guiding, it is God protecting, it is God disciplining. All of those things come through the word of God. What is your next step? Well, I like to read through the Bible chronologically, and, and I know I'm kind of a, a, a weird guy about this. I don't start in January, because I realized a couple years after I read through the Bible, I realized if no one's going to give me a certificate on December 31st that I completed it, why bother? I, I need motivation. You've got to incentivize me. So I've just started reading through the Bible, and I don't hurry to do it in a year, because I want to take my time, and sometimes I want to study something that pops in the text, and I'm like, I've never thought about that before, so I'll call Elijah or Michael or somebody, and I'm like, hey, have you, have you read much about this? Who's a good author? And I like to do deep dives into that, so it might take me three years to go through the Bible in a year. I'm slow, but I am loving every second in there. And I've been reading through, and I just finished The Life of Solomon, moving on this week to something else, probably the book of Proverbs. And when I read about Adam and Eve and Noah and Moses and Abraham and Hagar and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Joshua, Samuel, King David and Solomon, when I read the story of King Saul and all of these, here's what I learned. If they listened when God spoke, they did well. If they didn't listen to God, they're a mess. It's a pretty simple deduction. If we listen to the word of God, we will actually be training ourselves for godliness. It will take effort. You have to climb a mountain to see the horizon. And the beauty of it is worth every bit of it. John Piper says this when it comes to the scriptures, raking is easy, but all you get is twigs and leaves. Digging is hard, but then you find diamonds. And when it comes to your time with the word, this is such a simple teaching. I'm not teaching you anything new. and I didn't intend to. I'm not apologizing for it because many Christians I meet, they believe that the word of God, the scriptures are the word of God. They believe that, they just don't listen to it. They don't let it speak. It's for the pastors and the teachers to tell them what's in it. You will grow nothing at all knowing that I know the Bible. You will grow exponentially when you don't rake the scriptures you dig deep into them. So I graduated college in 1987. I went and did my master's work. And about a year after my master's work, my alma mater called and asked if I would come back and teach some communication classes because that was my, my master's degree. And I was like, yeah, I love that school and I'd like to, to teach that way. So I started teaching. And then one of my professors, who's the most instrumental professor in my life, he asked me, he said, hey, I'm teaching a class. And this is what he said to me. He said, the class is called Theological Themes in Contemporary Literature. Oh, <laughs> that sounds exciting. And I was like, I just don't have time right now with ministry and teaching here and all this. And he goes, no, Mark, here's what we're going to do. We're going to watch movies and we're going to find the theological themes in the way they tell the stories. And I was like, oh, why didn't you say that? (laughs) 
So I audited that class and started driving back and taking this class with a man named George Brown. And we watched a bunch of various movies where he started teaching me how to actually watch a movie. Have you ever watched a movie with someone and they catch a hint in the middle of it and you don't, you feel stupid? That was that entire semester for me. He's like, did you notice this? And I was like, oh, of course I did. But inside I'm like, what? And then I remember a freshman took that class, which was so wrong. And this freshman said to George, I don't like to watch movies and have to think. I want to be entertained. And I actually watched my favorite professor dismiss that student forever. He looked at me and he was like, what? Now that time that kid graduated, they'd matured. But for some of us, we're like, I just like to watch a movie for entertainment. There's nothing wrong with being entertained. You can't live your rest of your life just being entertained. So George taught me something, and I want to share it with you. It's a risk, but I'm going to try it. Do you know how he taught me to watch a movie is the same way you ought to read scripture? First thing he says, he said, just watch the movie. Let's call that scripture reading. He said, just watch the movie and enjoy the storyline. Where does it begin? How does it change in the middle? What's the tension? What's the drama? How does it resolve itself at the end and conclusion? Just know the lay of the land. He said, then watch it a second time. Well, the first one is reading. The second one is study. He said, watch the movie the second time and pay attention to what the director is doing with camera angles. Is the camera angle from above or from below? Is it include multiple people? You know, when you watch a scary movie, right? If the camera is only on the face of the actor or actress, they're about to die. And if you watch scary movies, repent. What do you all know this for? But you know, they're going to put some high school girl who walks in a dark building and the camera's on her face. And I'm like, three, two, one, dead. Because the director is not giving you the perspective of what's around. They want the tension to be there and the music swells and the lighting's different. And you begin to say, oh, the director is saying something. Because what George taught me is not all the, all the dialogue in a film is being spoken. So to read is to know the story. To study is to pay attention to why you're being told what you're being told and how would that affect the audience watching it. And then meditation is lingering over a particular moment. Now, I think she's sitting back there, so I'm going to be in trouble for this. But if I know, my wife never sits down. She's always working. She's always serving somebody. She's active, active, active. Whenever she sits down, I know the day is over. But I have been able to train a little bit to know this. If she walks through a room and I turn up the volume on Pretty Woman, she will stop and sit down. And I know there's a couple of scenes in that movie she loves a whole lot. When Richard Gere climbs up the ladder at the end with the roses in his teeth, he owns that girl for the next 30 seconds. She doesn't even have to see that movie. She can tell you every moment of what she loves about that, the whole entire moment. That's called meditation. You see, that's why you know the 23rd Psalm. That's why John 3.16 matters to most of us. Because not only did we read it and understand how it fit in the story, we understand why God told us this truth. And now sometimes we just sit back and go, I don't have to watch the whole movie. Here's certain scenes I want to revisit over. Are you with me, church? You tracking what he taught me? And the fourth thing he taught me was memorization. So I've got a friend, I think he might be in the room this morning. We play golf a lot. I promise you this, Mike and I have played golf since I've met this guy. And there is not one round of golf we've played in the last 14 years that a quote from Caddyshack, Dumb and Dumber, or Happy Gilmore doesn't pop out somewhere in the round of golf. Why do we know lines from these lame movies that have no theological purpose whatsoever? It's because we've spent so much time together. They make us laugh. They're memorable lines. And we didn't try to memorize them. They just, they just stayed in us. 
I could call up music from your generation. This is a diverse crowd. We have multi-generations in this room. I could bring music up from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Well, the music today is not music, but I could stop in the 90s. And I could start a line of a lyrical line from a song and somebody in this audience could stand up and finish that line. And you never sat down one time to memorize that, did you? But it stuck in your head because what happened was you heard the song, you read it. You studied the lyrics thinking, wow, that's profound or cool or funny or quirky. And then you spent time listening to that song over and over. And before you know it, your meditation became memorization and the word and you listened to God's voice with the scriptures. Church, the most important step you can take to grow with Jesus is to get in the word, let the Holy Spirit speak, and listen. Listen. Stop whatever it is. Give it time to grow. Romans 15, 4. Whatever was written down for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. God is speaking. You can hear him. Listen. Oh, I'm not suggesting this morning you're not listening. Some of you are listening. That's why you're centered in Christ because you've heard his voice and you're following his call. But anybody who's centered in Christ in this room will tell you right now, there's more to be heard. Amen. We don't know it all. He is revealing himself regularly. Just listen to his voice. And then of course, do what he says. Or don't do what he says don't do. Or believe in who he is because of how he's speaking to you. If you would go to our webpage, some of you are like, I've tried Mark. I try to read the Bible and I get stuck and it's boring. And if I'm just going to confess it in church, I'm not getting anything out of it. We understand. But there's a solution to this too. When you can't hear the voice of God alone, listen to the voice of God together. Bring others into the journey. And in fact, you could go to our webpage. I think they're going to put something on the screen for you that you could take a quick picture of, the, of that little funny thing in the corner. And it will take you to our webpage. If you did an assessment of where you are, whether you're just kicking the tires or whether you're centered in Christ, whether you're growing or, or you're close to Jesus now, you could take an assessment that would give you some Bible studies to start that might help you connect with this journey to hear the voice of God. You can just go to our webpage and just go to Pathways and look up the Bible and take the assessment. Or maybe you already know and there's some Bible studies that we have favored there for you that might help you grow in your faith. If you wanna hear the voice of God, I, I wanna ask you three questions this morning as I conclude. And if we can pray with you or encourage you or answer your questions, go to the tables in the back of the room where the lamps are lit. We'd love to meet you there and encourage you. Here's the, here's the three questions for this morning. Do you desire to know God more and desire a relationship with him? Because if the answer is no, then you won't hear his voice because you've chosen to hear other things. But if you want to, please know you can hear his voice and he's speaking. Is the climb to the spaces to meet him and what he will reveal, is it worth it to you to put some effort in? To have to climb up a mountain to see the vista, to see the horizon, to see the beauty? Would that be worth it to meet God? Because in the Old Testament, God always meets people on mountaintops and they had to walk to get up there. Would it be worth it? The last question I want to ask you this morning is, will you allow his voice to show you life? He's talking. He's saying important things. Things that give us life and godliness. 
Will you listen as he speaks? Let's stand up together. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.